Star Wars is the way. Hi, welcome to Stardust Records, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Savi, and I'm here with my co-host, Linz. How are you, Linz? I'm pretty good. How are you? Good, good. Before we were recording this, or I hit record, we were talking about Celebration, which is so close, and it's coming up really soon. I, I leave about a week before it starts. So it's like, it feels sooner for me, but we were just, Lindsay and I were discussing how there's been like just a bunch of things that have been talked about. And as we're getting closer, we're getting prepared for more content, which obviously means more content for us to talk about. But we did get more recent content with the Jedi Survivor trailer, which is why we've kind of releasing this episode a little bit later. We got the Jedi Survivor trailer on Monday, and it showed us a little bit more about the story of the game because we really only had the gameplay. And we knew that there would be a couple of changes from the first game with buddy AI and fast travel now, which is really exciting. But this kind of gave us more like a storyline. And it seems really, really interesting because it has like trick tricklets of the high republic in it because there's a jedi yeah i don't know what did you think well i thought it was amazing i was so hyped for it and it was so nice to see all the characters again just their new looks and everything and like you said we got more uh snippets of the what the story could be like we did see a character who looks like he's from the high republic his robes resemble that and we also had gotten last year a teaser trailer and that had shown us a Powan senator who somehow receives or gets part of Cal's lightsaber. And also in that trailer was the High Republic character in a, looked like a back to tank. But some people are assuming that it was somehow able to preserve him and basically like, I don't know, I guess preserve him for like hundreds of years or something uh, to like kind of transport him into this more modern era, the present time in the story. We have that guy who looked like he's possibly working with a rogue element of like mercenaries and they have control of CIS or separatist droids. And then also it was revealed that the ninth sister is making a return. She was glimpsed briefly in the trailer. So there's all these different elements. And, and, and on that note, the part of the trailer where you see the vulture droids, there's also TIE fighters fighting them. And also it looked like an X-Wing, but I think it's actually a Z-95 headhunter. So there's all these different factions and Cal and the crew are somehow wrapped into all of that. And it's just interesting. I'm excited to see how that all plays out because right now, even though it was a story trailer, I don't know if you feel the same way. I still have no idea what the story could be. Yeah, especially with those like little snippets of grease and sear because we obviously know this is what this is what was really making me think was because that hug between grease and cal just looked a it looked like it was in kind of like a cantina i guess and then b it felt more like a reunion hug and then it obviously looks like sear and cal see each other again for the first time because she says that thing to him where she's she says she he's been he's become the empire's most wanted or something like that yeah so i wonder if it's just been cal and marin for a little yes i feel like that could be the case and we know that uh, like we've seen cal by himself without anyone else like in the mantis and so it makes me wonder if marin is with like is 
with him in his current like on his current path or if he meets up with her at some point Mm -hmm. because we know that he crash lands in the mantis but is at the beginning of the game is he is she like with him then and also we see bode and cal seemingly by themselves in the ship talking to each other maybe marin is there who knows and like you said he seems to have a reunion with Grease and Cirrus at different times. And also there was that snippet in the gameplay trailer where it shows the objective in the top corner of the screen and it says find Grease. Yeah. So I can see them playing off of a sort of like find all the members of your crew and talk to them about whatever, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then we also see Grease, Marin, and Cal in the Mantis at some point. So I am really, like I said, I have no idea in what order, in what way, what Cal is doing. Like, because it seems like he's by himself at times. So who knows? Yeah. And he like switches off between having Marin as a companion to help him fight. We got some cool buddy combat featured. And then also he fights with Bode sometimes. So is he just like hopping around between planets? Like, is there just these different like um plot lines in the in the story as you can tell we have no idea but we're super excited (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is just a very unique storyline i feel like and it's perfect like the idea is perfect because not everybody knows about the high republic so it'll feel i feel like cal is also in that situation as well so it'll, it'll be interesting like i can't wait to know what people who have read the high republic will think when they play the game because they'll know the perspective of that Jedi. I don't know. It's interesting. And also watching the trailer after reading Battle Scars just made it hit so much differently. Like it just felt so... It was such a surface level trailer that had so much more depth to it because of the book. I agree. And that brings me to a point that I was going to make. In Battle Scars, I'm not giving too many spoilers, but in Battle Scars, there you get the impression that Cal still thinks about the vision that he had in the vault in Fallen Order where he was an Inquisitor. And I think that we're going to see him struggle with darkness more in this game because in Fallen Order, he was really just trying to find himself, reconnect with the Force, figure out who he like needed to be in those moments in his journey in Fallen Order, but he resisted darkness very well. I think that he was just, he was younger still, which you could say he was more impressionable, but I just think he was, and I don't want to say Cal was like more naive in Fallen Order, but I think that he's just had so much, so many more experiences between that game and this one. And I, I think that he's struggling to find out like what he's supposed to be doing. And when you doubt, that leaves you open for darkness and not to say that I think Cal is going to go like to the dark side or anything. And I, I don't think he'll get even that far, but some, some things that Marin said in the trailer made me think that that's a thread that's going to be coming through the plot line of survivor is Cal finding out what sort of Jedi he wants to be, like what sort of person he wants to be. And he's going to have to like face darkness, probably a little bit like personal darkness instead of maybe just like because when he fight he fought like the inquisitors and vader like that's darkness in your face that's like outside darkness at you and i feel like cal will be struggling more with the the inner darkness that we saw him briefly experience in fallen order and the questions that he had in um, battle scars so i i think that we're gonna see more of like cal personally struggling like with that in survivor so 
that's just my two cents on that. <laughs> my two credits. It'll be so fun to play and I'm really excited and I'm glad that they, I'm, it's always sad when they, you know, push back a project, but I feel like it's always needed. They wouldn't do it if they didn't need to do it. So. Exactly. I, I appreciate their candor and like their honesty with that. So we can now talk about two Mandalorian episodes this episode. Two episodes. Yes. The first, the third episode three was the one with that whole like New Republic storyline with Elia Kane. Yes. And we got Dr. Pershing back and we got the Amnesty program and we got Coruscant and we got the Opera House and we got a lot. And We did. We did. We got a lot. <laughs> we, we got Bo becoming a part of Din's covert. I finally remembered the word. Clap. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Yay! I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, it was a, it threw me in for a loop. It was a good episode. It was just so, the tone was the same, but it was just so, I don't know. What did you think? I thought that it was really, really cool to see Coruscant again, especially live action Coruscant in the New Republic era. So I was really stoked to experience it. And like you said, we got the Opera House and we got New Republic Senators and we got to see inside their minds a little bit, at least some of them. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it was just really neat. A question that I'd had uh, several times over the last couple of years thinking about like the Empire and how it was like dismantled by the new republic and by the alliance and broken up and like what happened to all of their ships and all of their gear and all of their personnel like where the heck did they like that was a huge the empire was huge and you can see in this episode they had the amnesty program where they would take imperials and put them through they put them through something else before the amnesty program though i they put them through like a reintegration Mm-hmm. or like re so basically they had to go through some sort of boot camp or something before they were in the <laughs> amnesty program and given the opportunity to work for the new republic and it was interesting that they were given like numbers that and, was okay yeah. that was one thing that was really throwing me off it was weird not in a bad way but this episode gave me it felt a lot like lost stars Yes. just It just was giving me really big Lost Stars vibes. A lot of people were saying Andor, and I said Andor at first, but then it it's so heavy on, like, the Claudia Gray Lost Stars lore. Yeah. I'm doing bunny ears. I, <laughs> for <laughs> sure. No, I totally agree. And it made me think, like, is Sienna Ree in mm. the Amnesty program? And... Please, That'd be Claudia, cool. do something. Please, Claudia, save this, these characters. I know. But, it, but no, and I I don't really, I don't trust, I, I haven't read too much of the, um, like, Aftermath. I haven't read Alphabet Squadron. I haven't read, like, other stuff. So I don't know too much about the New Republic and what happened after the Battle of Endor in canon now. I know a couple things, but I'm definitely not up to up to speed on it all but i i don't really like the new like the bureaucracy of it and how it just doesn't feel like i don't know i don't know if they like they got rid of their military they got rid of the alliance they like broke it up they got rid of all the stuff alongside all the rest of the like they left themselves basically defenseless it's made clear that like leia had to create the resistance 
because the Republic had nothing. You can see the seeds of that, I think, in this episode because it's about five years after Endor, I believe. And so, yeah, I just... Things are rubbing me the wrong way. And especially how this character, Elia, who we were talking about for the episode, how we don't really know exactly what kind of character she is. Is she... Is she really working with the New Republic or is she like a double double agent with the Empire still or the remnant of the Empire? It's it's like, what's going on? And I think that's what throws us for a loop is because this is really pulling away from Din's plot, which is fine to have multiple plots going on in a in a show. I mean, we see that in Andor, we see it in other shows. But when the show has been so focused on Din and Grogu and then pull away to like a completely different plot without any without any firm connection mm-hmm. to Din and Bo and them, it can kind of throw a viewer for the loop, I, I think. And some people really, really like that episode. And I appreciate it for what it is, too. But mm-hmm. then other people who go into an episode, especially an episode that we knew was going to be like the longest one The Mandalorian has ever had. And then for most of it to just be this completely different plot line that people are like, this is not what I'm invested in. Mm-hmm. I can understand people being like, kind of not sure about what to think about this episode at first, but I appreciate it for what it was. And I hope that we get connections to the rest of the plot. Like what, what was the purpose of that? What's super interesting is that I saw people commenting about how they're frustrated because the Mandalorian is now kind of leading into the sequels. But everything in Star Wars is connected. So it's not surprising to see, quote unquote, like sequel lore. This has to do with what we were talking about. But I'm not surprised with like seeing sequel lore, especially not in this episode, because, you know, we're finally closing a little bit of a gap of a mm-hmm. inside of a gap inside of a gap. But we got a very similar conversation with Dr. Pershing and a citizen that we did with DJ and rose and finn in the last jedi and it like makes sense that all of these stories are kind of connected because they they're all affecting each other so to go off of like the whole new republic thing and how it's kind of quote unquote failing or like not doing as hot as like the galaxy would hope it makes sense because the new republic showed enough weakness where the first order felt like they could come and exactly terrorize so it makes sense and everything like it leading into the sequels if anything adds more depth to the sequels because it shows that the new republic like it it didn't work out essentially which which is so sad to think yeah it really is because we don't even know the state of it following the rise of skywalker like we don't know Mm -hmm. or the last jedi when hazian prime you know all those capital planets basically got disintegrated so it it is really sad to know everything about the rebellion and then see i don't want to say that the rebellion's work was undone and like i don't it definitely would not ever say that it was like for nothing or anything like that but but like to your point all the things that we're seeing in the mandalorian and the upcoming shows are in the in between the end of the rebellion and the sequel trilogy the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy and so it makes sense like you're saying to see things that will lead into the sequel trilogy and just add depth to it like you said so i'm i'm really interested to see how that plays out because we even got like dr pershing's work with the clones like the genetic stuff Mm -hmm. that could easily be connected to the work that was done to create like palpatine's clones and stuff 
especially in regards to Grogu being valuable in that case, because he's like, you know, a little force user. So and Palpatine's a force user. Clones. Yeah, it all connects. It all makes sense. <laughs> we just don't know how yet. You've connected the dots. <laughs> um, speaking of Grogu, this episode, when I say this episode, I mean um, chapter 19, we got an Order 66 flashback, which I feel was so much different than the other Order 66 flashbacks we got. And it got a huge cameo. But that was one thing. But I I loved this flashback. It felt so like I know that we see Order sixty six in the in Re- the in Revenge of the Sith, and this is gonna sound cheesy when I say it, but it just felt like so Phantom Menace. I was gonna say Attack of the Clones. I was gonna say it, really? it reminded me of. I was gonna say it reminded me of. Okay, no, no, you are right with the Phantom Menace vibe. But I, I, I see think Attack, there was. I see Attack. It's just very because prequels. of the chase. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. There we go. The prequels. <laughs> but yeah, no, I totally agree. It had that Phantom Menace vibe, and also definitely, especially just with the chase scenes with the speeder and going through the tunnels and seeing the lights in the city and everything all around. Mm-hmm. That definitely felt like the pursuit it- scene in the beginning of Attack of the Clones. Yeah, it was. It was so good. It, it made me. And I never do this, but it made me want to do a prequel rewatch. It just had that nostalgia. And then the, the you know, bringing Ahmed Best back and that was cool. And and I don't know, it was just a very special episode. And Grogu of all characters is getting insanely good character development and like story building. And it's so much fun. I, I love watching. It, it's so interesting watching this little green guy who doesn't speak and just babbles who has this insane backstory i was watching it with my brother-in-law and he was like wait like where are we in the timeline when it comes to this and i was like this is order 66 like right the the day the jedi they fell and he was like grogu has seen all of that and i was like he's seen a lot like he's 50 years old he's He's older than Din. Yeah. Which is crazy to think. It also makes it's... me wonder how, like, sorry, how young his brain or, like, his mind was back then. Because he's 50 now and he's a baby still. But he understands. Yeah. What was it that the Mandalorians were saying about that? Like, he who speaks. He who knows oh. does not speak. Yeah, or something like that. So I feel like Grogu has a grasp on what's happening around him. It's so weird. I don't know that we can properly quantify like his age with his maturity, because to be that young of mind for that long, you have to have developed in some way, even though your like capabilities, um, your like speech development and your size and you know, all this like is going slow. Obviously, like he obviously remembers it very well because that's a flashback and he's like remembering it. And I was so sad for him in that scene because you they did really well with his puppetry or puppetry and like everything. You can really tell he's like sad and upset. And so I, I don't know. He's he obviously understands what Din's telling him because he, he does whatever he says. And mm-hmm. so but he is still too young to speak. So I'm hoping we get like a speaking moment. Like a little bit. He actually says like a, like he actually says something. Yeah. That'd be well, so cute. In episode Three, Bo says this is the way, Din says this is the way, and then Grogu babbles. Yeah. And it's like he's like he's like a baby trying to 
like finally finding his voice. It's yeah, so my cute. <laughs> my husband was like, "Did he just say what they said?" I had to like re rewind to see if he like said it, but he definitely was mimicking them. So I, I feel like a speaking moment is in our future. We're gonna get a little baby yeah. talk from Grogu, I think. And Pelly had made the comment. She was like, "Was that his first word?" So it, it's just like a bunch of foreshadowing. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. We're gonna get it, and I wonder what his first word's gonna be. Batu. <laughs> well, he's saying Batu, of course. Like that's his first I word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, like, yeah. He's, he's continuously sure. asking Din. <laughs> Batu. He's like, "Take me there." <laughs> Also, in this episode, we found out that Pesvisla has a son, Ragnar. Yes. I thought that was cute, but immediately I was like, who is the mother? I actually don't think that they ha he has a mother. I think that yeah. he's a, he's adopted. I think that he think oh, Paz adopted because okay. he's a foundling. Yes. Yeah, so okay. automatically my brain was like, sorry, I'm going to say a curse word. I was like, Pesvisla fucks. <laughs> <laughs> And then, I mean, maybe he does. You just come. I don't think that the sun came out of that. I don't think uh, that happened. Okay. Oh, that would have been cool. Well, not the bonking helmets, but like the <laughs> having a son, family, his blood. Yes. <laughs> well, I think they. I think that they. The Mandalorian culture is so cool, and we got a lot of it in this episode. We got to I see all the their different thing. fighting styles. Yeah, we got to see all the different fighting styles, how they train each other, how they're like from different ages training each other, different cultural things like with like the clanging together of their um, uh, van braces and that was uh, their sense. Of, yeah, and they're like sense of community uh, and how it's so intertwined with the warrior lifestyle. I thought that was really cool and. So when when Ragnar gets like snatched up by the monster bird, how they like go after him and Bogotan's so smart. She's like, "There's no freaking way." I'm I know. gonna chase him on. <laughs> so she like gets in her ship. The um, wo the woman always makes the smart decision. It's <laughs> truly truly. Sorry um, to our male listeners. They uh, probably agree. I thought it was so good, especially. Because we saw it, it was like a little war party, as they called. I that those words together are so funny, like like a war party. <laughs> that was another thing that was cool when you with the Mandalorian culture was that at the at the fire she was like, well, you know, how do we eat? And then was like, well, we usually just like get up and leave. That's one thing that's sad is that they can sharing a meal is so intimate and i and wish they don't have that i know i was thinking about how cute it would be if they all like just flipped and sat facing away from like each face other. the other direction yeah <laughs> so they can eat that way together but and then poor Bo. that's what made me sad was that taking off of her helmet she was alone and Bo has always been more recently alone and she's alone again yeah. even with this cupboard and she was sitting there eating alone and I was like somebody eat with her I I love all the different variations of how the Mandalorian culture has manifested itself through this you know through canon and I think that Bo is seeing a lot of value in the covert and I think that she really respects it and I think she really respects like the armor and you can definitely tell that she respects Din and everything. So, and she took her role in rescuing the foundling really seriously. So this leaves me to wonder, and I'm sure that you're wondering too, like, 
where does this where does this go for her? Is she going to remain part of the covert or is she going to like what what's going to happen? You know, um, Yeah, there's so many questions. <laughs> I know. And I feel like there's been a lot of chatter here and there about how Din has kind of taken a backseat. But I do, I do feel like he's still a very central part of the story. But now it's split multiple ways. And I kind of like that. Like I, Because they all do lead back to Din's story. And it's different from what I think a lot of people were expecting. Because I thought going into this season, and I said this lapse episode and i think that we all agreed that going to mandalore would be like the climax of the season or like the ending like him being a ton like him Yeah. being bathed but now it's going a different direction and i'm okay with that i think that it i think that it's going not season one and it's not season two but it's season three and it's a completely different thing than what we're used to so I don't know. I feel like it's going a cool direction. I don't know what direction, but I feel like it's a cool, like, I, Yeah. I trust the writers. I think that's what I'm trying to say, <laughs> the Savvy way. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you. I I agree. I think it's going to be interesting to see. And, I, and it leads back to what we were just the points that we were making earlier, where this will all connect into the sequel trilogy. And so, but also plot lines that we know are coming. So we know we're going to get Ahsoka. We know we're going to get Skeleton Crew. And so I think that there are elements... that could affect those stories as well that we might get in the Mandalorian. And do we know if this is the last season of the Mandalorian? Do we know if we're going to get another, like, Pedro said that he would he feels like he would like he's going to play the Mandalorian for the rest of his life but Hmm. and So, I think that John Favreau said this would not be the end okay. yeah Yeah. like right before the show came out when they did all that press it's their most notable show like it's their most recognizable I, I don't want to say profitable but you know There's a lot of Mm -hmm. Grogu yeah pops. <laughs> so, but, um, <laughs> we can't deny it no, Grogu capitalism. But I think it's fun. It's just, this episode felt very Mandalorian to me. Episode one, two, and four felt super Mandalorian to me. I guess, like, what I'm, what I mean by that is that it just felt very, like, it has a lighthearted feel to it. Like, everything I, that happens in an episode I know is going to be resolved I guess I don't want to say this phrase might be weird, but it felt very Star Wars. And I'm not saying that nothing else, like ev there's other parts that don't feel Star Wars, but I'm just saying the whole, the war party, the, uh, the formula of this episode felt very similar to a formula you might've seen in the Clone Wars even. Like, you know, you've got a mission, you know, or there's a problem that happens. We, there's a mission. we got to resolve it. And then there, it leaves you with like a little bit of something at the end. You know, the fact that they rescued the baby monster birds, bird monster things. And they're like, hey, we can train these to ride them later. You know, that kind of thing. Like, how did they fit in that starfighter? Yeah. Like, that must have been cramped. No, Like, I you know. know, just that, that all felt very a certain flavor of Star Wars to me. And then all its own. So...
I liked it. <laughs> but to, to to talk about the end of the episode and more about Bo-Katan, she loses one of her pauldrons, or I- I'm saying pauldron, it's not a pauldron, it's just a shoulder armor piece. Um, she lost it in the fight with the monster bird. And so the armor is like, hey, we got to fix you up. And so she's make, she makes her a new go. <laughs> Do you have something to say? It's Sabi just, has something to say. It's just the way that she like tapped her shoulder. I, I am like a lesbian Bo-Katan truther. <laughs> but I don't know. It just got me giddy. Like they were like, we need more romance and Star Wars. And sure. I got it with that little shoulder touch. I'm just kidding. But I'm not. But. I just thought it was cute, like the way that she did. I was like the camaraderie. I just loved her so much. <laughs> okay, continue. Well, I, and I, I no, I, I feel you. I feel you. I, I got those. <laughs> I picked that up too. And I, and I think that kind of um, leans into how I felt like Bo-Katan. Because some people are like, oh, Bo-Katan probably doesn't want to be part of this. Like, she, this isn't, like, her people. But then I'm thinking, it, she knows this is her people. Yeah. And she hasn't had anyone. Like, you were making the point earlier, she's alone. She has been alone. And she hasn't had, like, a family. And they are very supportive of her and, like, you know, right there with her and helping her. And so I think that she is like, well, what else? My, 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 my castle is gone. She doesn't have anybody else. So this is probably like, she's like, what the heck? I should just be here with them. So, you know, um, the armor makes her another shoulder piece. She's like, can you put the Mythosaur signet on it? And Or it's like, is that acceptable? And she's like, yeah. And it also speaks to the fact that Bo-Katan is comfortable enough to ask the armor about the Mythosaur and say that she saw one. And we were laughing about the we were laughing about this earlier about how the armor is just like okay yeah you saw one right uh-huh. sure. in wow your dreams yeah, are so vivid this is the way, <laughs> this is the way. way. like people will get you to people bed. see stuff <laughs> and Bo's like but I they're really fixating on her fixating on the mythosaur like we saw her like staring at the signet across the room like a couple times mm-hmm. and. And, you know, I think this is really weighing on her. And so I'm wondering, like, what is that? How is that going to resolve itself? Is she just going to be like, oh, yeah, I, I saw it. Okay. Like, no, something more has to happen. Is she going to go back? To, she can be like, hey, y'all, this place is mad dangerous. <laughs> like, you guys are getting attacked by an alligator. You've gotten, like, swooped up by this, like, monster birds. Like, this, this place is not it. Like, let's just go back to Mandalore. Yeah. I can see her being like, let's go back to Mandalore and bring the whole covert with her. She's going to Taruk so... Maktow it. Yes, yes. Of Avatar. I was like... <laughs> I was like, uh... Or he goes I had to, like, pull that out right. of my brain. Yeah, I know, but... I don't want to explain that reference. I just hope people get it. <laughs> but I'm excited. I hope that we see Taruk Maktou Bo-Katan. I hope that she takes them back to their the, the promised land. Yes. So, but any final thoughts before we wrap up um, this episode? I give it 10 Grogu's out of 10. Or no, 10 Patu's out of 10. <laughs> 10 Patu out of 10. Yes. Okay, I give it. I give it like... 9.5 but two <laughs> um, it was just good fun it was good fun and we got mod best back so that was cool yes as his own jedi i i know that he was like jedi. that was the jedi that he played in the temple adventure 
Ad- Jedi Temple challenges. challenges. Yes, not adventures. I think that's what it was. And so it was cool that he was able to like real fully realize that Jedi character in in canon, like everything. So I was so happy to see him. Mm-hmm. I was freaking out, and then he was like took Grogu on a Nabooian starfighter. That was cool. And then I saw that somebody was like Padme. Even after she knew she couldn't save Anakin, she knew that she could save like the other Jedi. Yeah, it makes me think she was like, hey, just, you know, she told her people who were with her on Coruscant, like, hey, go to the Jedi Temple and see what you can do. Yeah. And like, like, like that's probably what happened. And so, and when, Padme. when he said there is nobody else after the officer said, like, where is everyone else? I got these like, shrill goosebumps from the tips of my toes to the top of my head. I was like, oh god. I mean, Order 66 is a heavy topic, but that made it so... It felt so real in that moment. I was like, oh god, I feel like I just watched like, a horrible news story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It really brought it home. It really like made it, like you said, made it really real. Yeah, it did. I, w- I was thinking about where everyone else was. Like, I was thinking about Cal Kestis, and I was thinking about... I, I always think about that. Every Order 66, I'm like, I know where this person was, and this person was, and I don't know where this person was. We keep getting all these Order 66 flashbacks, and it's like these cool little puzzle pieces that we can connect to. Yeah, I want to know where Quinlan Voss was, because we know he, you know, survived. Like, where was he? What was he up to? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of what, thing, so... <laughs> what was he cooking? <laughs> <laughs> all right. You can find me, Savi, at Androisms on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also find me as a co-admin on at News Andor on Twitter. And you can find our podcast at at Stardust Records without the O on Twitter. Where can we find you? (laughs) You can find me at Rebel Risen on Instagram and at A Cosmic Love on Twitter. Nice. Yeah. Chronically online. (laughs) Truly, truly, I am. You can find me there always. Just send me a message. I will be responding to you shortly. (laughs) We respond to DMs via Twitter, Instagram, and card trader. Star Wars tops card trader. (laughs) And in worst case scenarios, we use smoke signals. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes.